Would you guys uh, pray with me? Uh, Father, Father, we've been singing songs um, that are truly all about you. And um, Father, I pray that this moment, as we transition to preaching your word, that that doesn't shift our focus. Um, Father, this is all about you. Um, Father, this is um, one, one sinner turned saint talking to a room full of people that desperately need you. Father, we all collectively come to you, Jesus, in need. Um, and so, Father, I thank you for that unity of, of spirit and mind here. Um, Lord, I pray that you would move through this. I pray that this would be all about you. Father, I pray that at the end of our time together, that it would be unmistaken, Father, that, that it would be about your glory, that your glory would be known, that you would be known. Uh, in your name, Jesus, amen. Uh, two weeks ago or so, uh, we, my wife... Uh, got that positive test of COVID, uh, which uh, rocked us a little bit because uh, uh, we had gotten the vaccinations and whatnot and didn't really see it coming. And then all of a sudden, what we thought was the flu was then, uh, was then COVID. And we were like, well, this stinks. Uh, my wife is self-employed. Uh, we have three kids. Uh, I like to pretend I hop out around the house, but so everything fell apart. Uh, and so, uh, but really what I saw, I, I kid with that a little bit, uh, but what I saw was a woman work really, really hard uh, to protect the family. Uh, I, a lot of credit to the, to the men and women in the healthcare industry, because one small thing that we saw was how annoying wearing a mask 24-7 is. Uh, that there is like a literal numbness that comes to your ears. Uh, and so uh, my wife, to her credit, like 14, 15 hours a day, every moment but when she was sleeping was wearing a mask. Uh, and, uh, and we were wearing masks and, and trying to keep distance and whatnot. And, and my wife was also trying to tie up her work and some things there and uh, uh, on the phone and whatnot. There was just a whole lot going on where at the end of the day, though, my wife's efforts to protect the health of the family uh, to this point worked. Uh, Friday, myself and the kids were all able to go and get a negative COVID test. None of us were, were positive with COVID because my wife took all the needed precautions while caring for herself, while caring for the family, all of those things, and, and she got healthier and we maintained our health. It was an example of that, and it really meant something to, to really the whole family. Uh, ha have you been in a house where somebody was dominated by their own health but not the other people's health? Have you, have you been in a house where, where man, like, like a parent that's like, I'm going to grow, I'm going to grow, I'm going to grow, and the family serves them to help them get healthier, to help them grow? Or on the other side of the equation, have you been part of a house where, where mom or dad were all about the family's health, the family's growth, where they became less and less healthy because they weren't paying attention to their own selves? Well, the balance is somewhere in the middle, isn't it? Have you been part of a job where, where the boss is like, well, my career, my career, my career, my advancement, and how that impacts the team? Have you been part of a, of a boss, a, a team, working under a boss that cared about the team and the team and the organization growing? Those seem to be two polar opposites, but what would it look like if we had a seat at the table where we cared about our own personal health and the health of the organization? What would it look like if we cared about myself growing and you growing and collectively we grew together? That is going to require us to see beyond ourselves and focus on one another. I want to look at a passage today where the early church did just that. They were growing individually and corporately. 
And so what I want to do is I want to read this text, and then we're going to just make four points off of this text. Uh, and so what I want to do is, because we're doing it just a slightly bit differently, could you guys stand and let me read this text uh, as we read the Word of God? Um, Acts chapter 2, it's uh, right after Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. It's up on the screen. You guys can pull it up on your phones, Acts 2, uh, ESV. We're at the end, and it says, And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, and to breaking of bread, and the prayers, and all came upon every soul. And many wonders and signs were being done uh, through the apostles, and all who believed were together, and they had all things in common. They were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending to the temple together and breaking a bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all people. Uh, And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Again, keep that on your phone. That is the early church. Before you sit down, let me explain a little bit about what's going on here. Put yourself in the sandals of the disciples. They just saw a few days, many days earlier, about a month and a half earlier, they saw their Messiah die. And then three days later, walk again. That's Sad and incredible all at the same time. It's a whirlwind of a weekend, is it not? And then as he's in his resurrected body, he's walking around and he tells his disciples, hey, I'm going up to heaven and just wait here for the Holy Spirit. Here we are. They are in the midst of waiting and all of a sudden the Holy Spirit comes upon them and they start speaking in different languages. There was a whole group of people there that spoke different languages and the Holy Spirit happens. And some people are like, well, they must be drunk because they're talking nonsense. (laughs) No, and Peter, without any prep, without 40 hours of study and all this stuff, only with the Holy Spirit because that's enough, got up, preached a sermon, and 3,000 people said yes to relationship with Jesus. What would you do? What would you do? Big group, big problems. They couldn't read a book on how to manage a church. That was still being written. The, the Bible was still in the process of being developed right then and there. They only had the Old Testament at that point. There was no Warren Bird or other people that we would look to as church growth leaders. There was no church, uh, no, no church growth book to consult. The, the, what would, you couldn't call the church down the street and say, hey, how did you handle when you had 3,000 people one Sunday grow and become Jesus followers? What did you do? How do you, how do you do communion? How do you find a building? How do you do this? There was nobody to consult. How do we help 3,000 people grow in a relationship with Jesus? What is a growing, what what do we do? They had none of that. They just took it day by day and individually focused on Jesus and corporately focused on Jesus and they grew more and more day in and day out. What I want us to see today, as you stand and you look at me and I stand and I look at you, we are in this together. Our big thought for this whole experience is that as I grow healthier, And that I is me, that I is you. As we grow healthier, we grow healthier. As I grow healthier, we, this church, grows healthier. It starts with me, it starts with you, and it goes to us. Would you guys please have a seat? I want to look at just a few signs of what a healthy church looks like. What's the vital signs? If you were to check your vital signs as a nurse or as a doctor, what are the signs to good health? What are the signs to our good health as an individual and and, and corporately? The first sign of a vital growing uh, organization and an individual is that there is biblical nourishment. 
Did you see that in the text? They were devoted to the word of God, preaching the word of God. That was their diet. How do you have, what was their, what was their spiritual appetite? Their spiritual appetite, their spiritual diet was the word of God. They sat under the preaching of, of men that were trained by the Messiah who performed miracles to, to authenticate uh, their, their message. They, they were the ones that were trained and they were teaching. They sat under the preaching of the word of God. A healthy congregation has a healthy diet of sound doctrine, both in a public setting and in a private setting like that of, of a home. And they grew individually. They grew in numbers because their spiritual diets changed where they couldn't get enough of the word of God. They weren't malnourished. They weren't starving because they had the word of God. In my house, around five o'clock, there's usually a conversation. Uh, in my house, around five o'clock, uh, there will be moments where I just start making dinner uh, and my wife will come in and be like, what are you doing? I pulled out chicken and you're making tacos with beef. What are you doing? And I was like, I'm just trying to help out. I'm like, she's like, but I had a plan. And then she's looking at me like I'm a big doofus. And I'm like, okay, well, I'm sorry for helping out. I'll never do it again. Or, or other times where, where I'll, it'll be about five o'clock and I'm like, well, should I, should I make it? Should I not? Whatever. And I'll be like, Ava, what's, what's for dinner? And she's like, no, I have had a busy day at work. Like you make something. And I was like, well, okay, well, which is it? Should I help or should I not? Like what's going on? Like, I don't know what to do. Now, that is a conversation, very real in our house, and it's kind of like a jokey thing that we do, I guess, uh, but very real. The conversation is not about starvation. The conversation is not about, well, I'm malnourished. I need some food. The conversation is really just truly miscommunication because when you step back, our house has plenty of food. My kids are not starving. I'm not starving. My wife is not starving. No one is malnourished. There's plenty of uh, healthy food in our house, a well-balanced diet, if you will. The tension is, how do we communicate to make sure that we are eating and have the, uh, the nourishment that we need? We have the Word of God, don't we? We have the Holy Spirit, don't we? We have each other, don't we? So this isn't a question about being spiritually starved, about Oh, I don't, uh, the, the, that church just didn't feed me. I didn't get fed. I didn't get fed. I didn't get fed. Don't you have the tools before you? Don't you know how to do it? Sometimes that is the conversation. So here, here at Wellspring, here's, here's how we want to, one, individually grow in our walk with Jesus. And here's how we want to corporately grow in our walk with Jesus to have a, a healthy diet of the word of God. The, the first is, well, it might be old-fashioned, I guess. I don't know, but you could open up your Bible. <laughs> the, uh, there, 2021, there's an app that you hit play and someone reads it to you. <laughs> So you can get the word of God literally on your phone. You can open it up. You can journal. You can take notes. So that, that is one, one way. And then we have these guys that we invest $300 to $500 every single series to put these into your hands. Why? So that you can wake up every single day, not just one morning a week on a Sunday, to get to digest the word of God. What we do corporately is, yes, we are focused on having one passage with every sermon. 
We're, we're not trying to bounce around or make these sermons about Pastor Jason's opinion or Graham's or Pastor Graham's opinion. Or, or these, are, these are always going to have one passage that collectively we can come here and sit under what I hope is biblical teaching and let the Bible inform what we do. But you can also go to an environment like Starting Point and start to know the, the, the basics of the gospel message. You could also go to Bible basics. When you see that coming up, that, that is about the basics of the Bible. Well, how, does this, how does the Old Testament and the New Testament work together? Who, who, King David, Abraham, or, or Joseph, like how, what are these figures? The, the disciple, Paul? Like, and, and it puts all this together and helps us gain a framework. But well, basics, looking at all of these values, looking at, at, at uh, uh, the, the book of Philippians and trying to grow out of our identity, a life group where we look at, we get together and we look at the word of God and we together digest the sermon and the text even deeper. These are the corporate environments, but this is also how we individually grow. We are in this together to make the word of God a healthy diet in our lives. The second, the second point is, is uh, the vital sign is, is loving fellowship. They go from a diet on, on the word of God to exercising that out where they had a shared common life. You can describe a fellowship as a close association evolve, involving a mutual interests and sharing. I have fellowship with God Almighty. He is my Messiah. But then we share in the fellowship as you have fellowship with God, as I have fellowship with God, we have fellowship with God. And this was best seen in their practice of breaking bread, communion, what we just did. What we did as communion is a reminder to you and I, a symbolic act to say, Jesus died for me, me. His body broke for me. His blood spilt for me. And what Paul says in that, in that passage in 1 Corinthians is that at the end of it, when we do that collectively, we are collectively declaring that we do not serve a dead Savior, but a Jesus who is alive and well and coming back again. A healthy church gets together and focuses on Jesus. Half the job of a church member, a church congregant, is simply showing up. You can't build relationships if you refuse to show up. There are many Christians around the world, huddled, think about this, that are together, and they have to worry about a government coming in and jailing and killing them just for being together. That is a right that we have that is actually protected here in America. We have the privilege of getting together and focusing on Jesus. May we in the American church never take for granted the privilege of being together, singing songs, taking communion, having a muffin after church. These are joyous things that we must never take for granted. Now, the best griller in our church uh, is not here to defend himself. Uh, and so I am the best griller in the church. And uh, if anybody tells me that they are a master griller uh, and they use propane, I smile. I'm like, yeah, okay. Okay, so the only way to be a master griller is to use charcoal. Uh, and the beauty of charcoal is that you can light this up and it, and it will light up a big fire. You, you put it all, you light this up and you could have a little crate here and obviously there's smells, it has a different taste, it's a much better flavor and whatnot, not gassy like propane and whatnot. And, uh, and so when you, when you would, if you were to light this up, you could get a little torch, you could light this up and by itself, it can stay lit for about an hour. 
if we were to light this bowl up, have them all together huddled up and light it up, this bowl together can stay lit, depending on the charcoal, for four to ten hours. One hour by itself, four to ten hours glowing radiantly together. There's many people that will say, I don't need the church. My faith is, is private. I don't need anybody else. I can ignore the gift that God gave to the Christian, the church. And they'll, light, they'll stay lit for a little bit, and eventually they'll fade. They'll fade. They'll fade. You know people just like that. But together, we are a glowing organization in the midst of darkness to shine the light of Jesus. That's what healthy fellowship can do. It says that they were devoted to one another. That means accountability. That means that there is work to do. That fellowship doesn't just happen. That there is a responsibility. There is our responsibility to help provide it. And there is your responsibility to help show up with it. It's kind of that age-old thing that you're going to hear. You're going to hear this on December 25th. Your great aunt is going to be like, well, I'm so thankful you've been calling me all year. And you're going to step back and you're going to be like, well, the phone works both ways, don't it? <laughs> Here, Christian, healthy fellowship. The phone works both ways. Here's how we want to provide it, and here's how we hope you take advantage of it. Join a life group. Get involved with other men and women chewing on the word of God together. Get involved on the ministry team where you're serving other Christians. You're serving the local church, but you're also building relationships as you serve God. Do a CKA with other men and women same goal, getting out into the community, a community kindness action where you're building, you're doing this together, and it's not a solo thing. The, the third vital sign is vital worship. You, you saw that they, they went to the temple. They met together collectively and corporately, and then they also went into homes where, where their fellowship, what we were just talking about, was also an act of their worship. They, they were together praying. What do we do when we pray together? We focus on Jesus. Here is a church that had no earthly resources, very little earthly resources. But when they focused on God, when they, when they made him the focus of prayer and being together, man, they had all the resources they needed because they had God, and he provided. And then they went out into the community, and they did all these things for each other. The point being that worship is any time that we are fixated on bringing God glory, individually and collectively. Yes, that can happen in song, but it can happen in so many other ways. My wife can't be here right now, so I wrote her a song. Oh. <laughs> Wildly. The guitar is not in tune. So I wrote her, okay. I will always love you. Okay, so, so people, when I sing, and although some people accuse me of being angelic when I sing, uh, they'll actually offensively be like, is that really your voice? And I'm like, well, yes, it is. <laughs> okay. Uh, it's okay. No, I can't, I can't sing. Uh, but you know who can is Josh. Josh can play the guitar. Josh can sing. And Josh, to me, is a really great example of, uh, of somebody that's a great husband and a great uh, a, a great husband and a great father. 
Josh, for the last few weeks, has been wearing a black hat that has a red heart on the middle. I don't know if you guys caught this. You know the story behind that hat? One of his daughters, his precious young girls, came to him and said, like, Daddy, you, you know, for your birthday, you need, you need a hat with a, a heart hat to wear on stage in front of everybody. And Josh is like, uh-oh. <laughs> uh, and so he goes on Amazon, finds the, the, the best one that would fit him, if you will, uh, and, and they got it, and that was his gift to, uh, from his daughters. And so he's wearing it because he loves his daughters, and he's a great dad. Josh has the ability, if he wanted to, once a week, to write a love song to Krista. And I know, Krista, you just mentioned tears and she'll start crying. <laughs> that if Josh, once a week, wrote her a love song, she'd start crying and she would feel worshipped in that moment. But how long would that last if Josh never brings her a cup of coffee in the morning? If Josh never helps clean up around the house? If Josh refuses to go to work and provide for the family? If Josh did but I wrote you a love song. Oh, that wasn't, okay, you know what, I'll put it on Spotify. <laughs> so you can listen to it every single day, a love song I wrote you. That's good enough, right? What Krista wants is the coffee <laughs> being provided for. The love that's also seen in action, not just in song. We as a church, we come together, and yes, we sing songs, and that is great. If you have musical talent that is better than mine, great. That's a great starting point. <laughs> Join the worship team, awesome. But worship is also when we are together out in the community showing love and kindness. Worship is when you and I come and we hear, we hear the word of God, and we're like, you know what? Something needs to change about our lives, and so we're going to elevate God's voice over any other voice, and we're going we're gonna to change the way we live to live the way that God wants us to live. Those are acts of Worship, obeying our God. The last thing is, is, is the vital sign is, is word and deed outreach. They came together. They came together and they, they, they were like, you know what? I can forsake comfort, my own comfort, for the comfort of other people. I can take my possessions and I can help other people when they are in need. When they were there, there was a need known and they, they also lived in such a way where people didn't even have to vocalize their need. They just knew it and then they went to meet it. The Bible does not attack a person for being a person of means. That's not what the Bible is saying. Oh, you should take a, a vow of poverty and give away everything and be in poverty. No, the Bible doesn't talk like that. Some of the biblical heroes were people of wealth. But what the Bible and what Jesus will do is say, you, God has blessed you with means. What are you doing with your means? Here is a group, the early church, that says we don't need stuff. We need our brothers and sisters. We can strive, we can give our possessions to help them out, and we are happy to do that. And this practice, this radical generosity, when there was these radical people that hated Jesus, then the Holy Spirit and the preaching of God's word, and they became followers, and they were radically changed by Jesus. And then if they were radically changed by Jesus, they lived radical generosity. The early church, the, only, the early church community saw that, and God added to the numbers more and more. Why? Because that's an attractive faith when Jesus has radically changed you, leading towards radical actions. Like I said, COVID, COVID hit our house. Within 24 hours, truly within 24 hours of a, of a positive COVID test, I had food on my doorstep. Within 24 hours, I had people Venmoing me money because they knew my wife was out of work. Within 24 hours, I had a story of someone that was like, yeah, God just, whether it was a bonus or the government, whatever, they, they came into more money. And, and, but I also I knew, like, man, like, well, money doesn't grow on trees for you, but let me Venmo you and help you out. 
I had Todd bring me an apple pie yesterday. <laughs> I'm supposed to bake for him. <laughs> All of these things, why? Because the early church, and because of us, because God said, you become a Christian, you'll never face COVID. <laughs> you become a Christian, you'll never have health issues. You become a Christian, your marriage will never struggle. You become a Christian and no, what Jesus said was, you come to me and you'll find peace in the midst of the storm. What God said was, man, like the church is a gift to help us navigate the brokenness and the hardships of this world. And in the, in the last few weeks, I've seen the glorious nature of the church. This past year, as we reflect, this church gave out over $30,000 through CASA, through our outreaches, what we do in the community and other projects to bless the community, $30,000. <laughs> This church in the last year, whether it's Keswick locally or whether it's uh, church planting with Converge or what we're doing in Brazil and helping them plant churches, gave out over $15,000 in missions. This church, as needs were made known, we gave out over $4,000 within our community to, to say, hey, there's a need. Let us, here's DoorDash. Here's, here's whatever we can do to be helpful. Oh, and by the way, we're investing into a, a campus in Bayville where we're going to break bread pizza style, early church style, and preach God's word so that others can know about the glorious nature of God. This is what we're doing, and this matters. A healthier me is a healthier us. A healthier you with a healthier us is a healthier us, if you get what I'm saying. We each have to grow individually healthier as we corporately grow healthier. The vital signs, biblical nourishment, fellowship together, worship, and then going out in, in word and deed to share with people about the love of Jesus. A hundred years later, the early church was, was still doing it. This was something uh, written by a guy's name I cannot pronounce, uh, but he wrote it to the emperor roughly a hundred years after the passage that we just wrote. And it sounds like this church was still doing it. It says this, But the Christians, O king, well, they went about and made search. They have found the truth. We have learned from their writings that they have come nearer to truth and genuine knowledge than the rest of the nations. For they know and trust God, the creator of heaven and of earth, and in whom from all things, uh, to whom there is no other God as, as, as companion, from, there, from, from whom they receive commandments which they engraved on their minds and observe in hope and expectation of the world which is to come. Wherefore, they do not commit adultery, nor fornication, nor bear false witness, nor embezzle what is held in, uh, in pledge, nor covet what is not theirs. They honor father and mother. They show kindness to those who are near to them. And whatever, whenever they are judges, they judge uprightly. They do not worship idols, idols made in the image of man. They, and whatsoever... Uh, whatsoever they would not that others should do unto them, they do not do to others. And of the food which is consecrated to idols, they do not eat it, for they are pure. As their oppressors, they appease. They make, their, they make them their friends. They do good to their enemies. Their women, O king, are pure as virgins, and their daughters are modest, and the men keep themselves from any unlawful union and from all uncleanliness in the hope of recompense to the world uh, to come in the, in, in the other world. Further, no one of them uh, have bondmen or bondwomen or children, though, though lo through love towards them, they persuade them to become Christians. And when they have done so, they call them brethren without distinction. They do not worship strange gods. They go their way, all modesty and cheerfulness. Falsehood is not found among them. They love one another. And from their widows, they do not turn, them, uh, turn away their esteem. 
They deliver the orphan from all who would treat them harshly. And he who has gives to he who has not without boasting. And when they see a stranger, they take him into their homes and rejoice over him as, as a very brother. They do not call them brethren after the flesh, but brethren after the Spirit of God. And the one that got me, and whenever one, one of theirs is poor, passes from the world. Each of them, according to his ability, gives heed and carefully sees to his burial. And if they hear of one that is uh, of their number that is in prison or reflected on the account of the name of the Messiah, they anxiously minister to, the, to his necessity as if it was possible to redeem him and set him free. And if there is any among them that is poor and needy, and if they have no spare food, they fast two to three days in order to supply the needy out of their, uh, their to supply the needy their lack of food. That's a church that for hundreds of years was living like that. Everything we read today was in the perfect tense, which means that it kept going and going. It wasn't a one-time thing. This was somebody that looked at the early church, looked at Jerusalem, and wrote an account to the king, and this is what he had to say. If somebody was to study Tom's River and write to the president of the United States, would they mention Wellspring? What would be said of Wellspring in the community? If we want to make that individual, if someone was to study your life and write to, to the king or to the president about your life, what would they say of you? This type of living will require us. Here's our family value that we're talking about today. It's called give of yourself. This type of living cannot happen if we're not giving of our time, our talents, and our treasures. If we're not growing to live beyond ourselves. So here's my, my challenge to you. This is a time of year where we consider end-of-year giving. I don't want you to encourage you just to give to our general fund and let's hope that we end with all this money, money, money. No, 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 no. I want two areas that I want to direct your attention to as you consider your end-of-year giving. The first one is our building fund, which doesn't sound very sexy. A building fund. We have a lot of upkeep to do around here because we haven't done it in four years. And the reason I bring that before you is because now our building fund, if we help upkeep this church, we help ourselves a little bit, but we also help a Latino church that's growing as they meet here on a Sunday afternoon. Praise God for that. It helps two churches. I also want to direct your attention to the church planning and campus fund because like I told you, January 2nd, we're going to go and we're going to break bread early church style over pizza in Bayville. And we're going to just, in a very simple way, get together eat together, and talk about Jesus together. And we're going to call that church because we think that is church. And so I encourage you to, to, to give to those two funds to help us attack those two, two missions. And if God calls you to serve, God calls you to serve. There's opportunities. Graham and, and Heather mentioned that earlier. So if you've never financially partnered with us, will you consider doing it uh, one, uh, this time as we go and we further the mission of God in our, our community? Will you, will you consider how you need to grow individually to give beyond yourself and how God might meet us as we are all collectively doing this? What I've said today is not, is not a quest for perfection. Perfection will come for the believer in Jesus Christ when we're face-to-face -face with Jesus. What we're talking about is an everyday opportunity to grow a little bit more, a little bit more, and a little bit more. Pursue growing. And together, I think we will grow as we grow in love for Jesus Christ. Let me pray and let's sing one more song of worship. God, I thank you so much for this time, for your word. Father, for meeting us where we're at. 
Father, I pray that we would be a church that individually grows to become more like you. And Father, I pray that you would help that to translate into a growing community where we are all doing our part. We love you, Jesus, in your name. Amen.